to a Hope 103.2 podcast. Have you ever come in halfway through a conversation and completely misunderstood what people were talking about? Perhaps you came in just as your wife was criticising her good-for-nothing husband, only to realise a moment later she was actually describing Homer Simpson in an episode from the cartoon series. Or perhaps you wandered past a good friend as he was mouthing off about Aborigines and denigrating so-called refugees, only to discover, with some relief, that he was actually relating the right-wing views of someone he heard on the radio. Sometimes, studying the life of Christ is like dropping in halfway through a conversation. You read an account from the Gospels, and you're just not quite sure what's going on. It seems that there's some historical detail you're missing out on, or some Old Testament background the Gospel writers expect you to know. Having this background illuminates the entire conversation and offers new insights into well-known but little understood aspects of Jesus' life or teaching. Well, Matthew chapter 4 records the 40-day trial that Jesus endured at the beginning of his ministry. And the account of these 40 days in the desert assumes that you've been in on the conversation for quite a while. That conversation, of course, started way back in the Old Testament, the scriptures of Israel. And once this incident from Jesus' life is set within that centuries-old conversation, this strange account of Jesus' 40-day trial starts to brim with meaning and significance. Let me read the passage to you from Matthew chapter 4, and then I'll unpack the incredible things it has to offer us about Jesus. Here it is, Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So what on earth is the point of this strange account of Jesus living in the desert for 40 days and facing these three temptations? The temptation to live by bread alone instead of by God's word, the temptation to put God to the test, and the temptation to worship a false god, in this case, the devil. Here is the critical thing to realise. Jesus is undergoing in miniature another period of temptation which was faced by the ancient Israelites centuries before. You may know that after Israel had escaped slavery in Egypt, they wandered the desert for exactly 40 years. And during that time, they faced a series of temptations. The temptation to live by bread alone instead of by God's word, the temptation to put God to the test, and the temptation 
to worship false gods. And guess what? They failed every one of the tests. And if you want to read the depressing details, look up the Old Testament books of Exodus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. Jesus' 40-day desert trial recalls, in fact, reenacts Israel's 40-year desert trial a millennium or so before. The comparison is clear not just from the number 40 and the fact that it took place in a desert location, but especially from the fact that the temptations Jesus faced during his 40-day trial are precisely those faced by Israel in their 40-year trial. More than that, all of the biblical quotations Jesus throws back at the devil come straight out of the Old Testament account of Israel's 40 years in the desert. To anyone well-versed in the ongoing conversation of Israel, Matthew chapter 4 provides a powerful picture of Jesus reenacting Israel's past and by succeeding where Israel failed, rewriting the future. For Matthew's first readers, this was evocative stuff. Every Jew knew that Israel's sins in the desert had been an ominous foreshadowing of the failures that would characterize the entire history of the nation. The desert sins were the beginning of the end for Israel's national and religious life. By submitting himself to a 40-day desert trial in which he would withstand the very temptations that had ruined Israel, Jesus was enacting a very powerful message for his Jewish brothers and sisters. In Christ, God's people can enjoy a new beginning, a rewriting of the tragic story from the past. The call to follow Jesus, then, is an invitation to break out of the previous story with its cycle of sin and judgment and enter into a new story, a new exodus from slavery. They can join a revived Israel, a new people of God. Well, you may be wondering, what on earth does this historically specific aspect of Christ's life have to do with us? I reckon heaps. Firstly, according to the New Testament, Jesus performed the obedience throughout his life that we, because of our weakness, just like ancient Israel, could never fully offer. I don't just mean Jesus pulled off something we couldn't do. I mean, that would be obvious. I mean, he pulled it off on our behalf. Christ's obedience is the obedience God accepts on behalf of others. What he did from his successful 40-day trial to his obedient death on the cross is counted by God as the faithfulness of all of us who follow him. He is our representative. God counts his obedience as our obedience. What beautiful news this is. As I was writing this material, a friend of mine said to me, but John, sometimes it's so difficult. God seems to have set the bar so high. I just don't know if I can do it. Now, at one level, this is an appropriate response to Christ's demands, but it has to be balanced out. As I explained to my friend, with knowing that, according to the New Testament, Jesus' obedient life and death more than make up for our frequently disobedient lives. 
Put another way, believers live out their imperfect stories within the larger perfect story of Jesus, the truly obedient one. Following him, however imperfectly, is perfect membership in God's new Israel. But there's a second point to remember about Jesus' 40-day desert trial. So long as we remember that our standing before God is dependent on Jesus' obedience, not our own, it's still entirely appropriate to view the Christian life as being about trying to do what Jesus did, trying to be like him. The deeds we perform aren't the means of writing ourselves into God's good book, but they are the obvious consequence of knowing that we've already been written into that book by the grace of God. Followers of Christ daily try to copy out Jesus' story into their own life story. Like him, we try to resist the temptation to grumble at God's provisions. We remind ourselves that man does not live by bread and BMWs alone. Like him, we say no to putting God to the test, demanding signs from him, insisting that he do things our way and so on. Like him, we refuse to bow down to the gods of our age, to the dollar, to the body, to the never-ending renovation. We say with Jesus, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. If we live like that, the devil can be nowhere near us. We're living victoriously, just as Jesus did. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.